What's up, everybody? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to Tournament Fishing Basics with me. And soon to coming up is uh, going to be Matthew Scotch, fresh off of Hobie uh, at Pickwick, where he just secured his spot in the Tournament of Champions. So looking, really looking forward to having, having Matt on here. He's a phenomenal angler, but... Uh, uh, let's see rant for the week. What do we do? What do we, what are we, what's, what's been going on the last couple of weeks? Man, I really don't know. Everything's great. How are you? You know, it's, uh, um, th this has been a, a couple of weeks coming out of the, the last KBF event that was like, you know, pretty tough. It was kind of a, kind of a drag the first day and really went into it. Then we had the, the warrior mindset show that was really fitting, uh, with, uh, with Adam that was just, you know, incredible UFC fighter. If you guys haven't, uh, Check that out. Look it up on the podcast on Spotify or on YouTube. Uh, take a quick second, hit share, uh, get this out here before Matt comes on. So we're going to have a really good conversation tonight. Um, but yeah, man, uh, what's up? Uh, getting ready for the national championship. So that's coming up. Uh, just made the announcement today that I got selected for uh, uh, the the Jackson kayak fishing team for uh, the the. the uh, the, the team challenge cup for the national championship, which is really cool. That's like, uh, uh, and my, and my new catch pro board came in today. So it's kind of like a week of, you know, the rookie years coming to an end and man, it's, it's kind of all coming together and it's all the work is really paying off and it's really seeming worth it. You know, it's like, it's, it's been such a tough year, ups and downs and challenges. Um, been all over the country, you know, had some great days, had some awful days, had some in the middle, middle days, but you know, right here at the tail end of it, when things are really good, I just, I just want this to be like the year of the rookie man. And, and the whole reason that I did this show is, is that I wanted to kind of inspire you guys to get out there and do it and get out and chase it. And don't ever let anybody tell you that you're not ready because you are go do it. This is the week that it all became worth it to me. So, uh, we've had some great shows. We've had some great talks. We've had some great information put out there. Uh, this week is, uh, is no different. So, um, no rant, all good, all happy. So, uh, without further ado, I'm going to bring in Mr. Matthew Scotch and there he is. Mr. Matthew Scotch. How are you, brother? Doing good. How are y'all? Fantastic, man. I'm super happy to have you on here because, uh, you know, I can think of, I think it was my first national event was, uh, where were we broken bow? I think it was broken bow where, where I, I was paddling around this Island, like so sorely defeated after two days of like insanely tough fishing for me. I've never fished a lake like that in my life. Um, and I paddle around the bend and met Mr. Matthew Scotch and, uh, uh, definitely an inspiration to all of us that have been out there fishing, especially, you know, us, us newbies that just watch somebody just go, uh, just hammer down, you know, event in and event out. And we've run into each other here and there all over, all over the place. Um, you know, uh, and, and man, you're just consistently right up there. And I mean, finally clinched that TOC thing this week, but before we get into all that, uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, you know, where you come from, what got you into fishing, like kind of what you do. Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously Matthew Scotch, uh, I live in Fort Worth, Texas and, uh, I'm a kayak fishing guide now. Um, I used to be a chef. So it's quite the transition, but I've really enjoyed it actually. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so, I mean, I travel around and I get to fish tournaments and, you know, do some guide trips in between and, uh, do trips on the Brazos river for bass and, you know, some different areas on the Brazos and, you know, a couple of lakes for crappie in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's awesome, man. Like, uh, but, but yeah, the, the chef thing is one of the things that when we, I think when we finally learned that about each other, it was kind of something we got to talk out, talk about a little bit, I think at Rayburn or wherever, but we kind of sit there talking about kitchen life and whatever. Um, I really think that that life kind of prepares you for the grind of kayak fishing. You know, it's like, you're used to those, you know, long, long hours and in day after day of hard work and just little rest and little food and, uh, you no, know, your, your body is punished and it's just like, you know, it's just, just like the multitasking of, you know, working in a kitchen or working in a small area or, um, yeah, just being able to think through like, you know, just chaoticness, mm-hmm. which, you know, it often goes down, you know, like every night, you know, in a kitchen some at some point in time. So, uh, yeah, um, I think definitely all that stuff definitely made me. Uh, better, I'd just say maybe a critical thinker, you know, just being able to think through problems and stuff and, you know, um, it's mise en place, yeah. man. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, uh, what, uh, mise en place, ladies and gents is, uh, all in its place. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a French saying that goes back to the early days of the organized kitchen chaos by, you know, giants like, uh, Escoffier and stuff like that, that taught us to put everything in a specific location. Everything is organized. You know, you You've got lists for lists. You've got spots for spots. You've got, you know, you're hyper organized. Are you like that with your boat? I am a lot of times on tournament day. Um, but it gets messy quick. I mean, yeah. I'm not, I don't have to keep it. Cause I mean, just depending on where you're fishing at, sometimes it's covered in grass or duckweed and all that stuff anyway. So I don't know. It just seems to get a little messy kind of quick, but I definitely go into it real organized. So mm-hmm. like, I know where everything's at and I mean, everything's calculated. It's in the kayak. Right. And now I, I found like, cause I, I'm, I'm like that for sure. I'm, I'm hyper organized and it really is one of those things, you know, being a military dude and being a chef that, that, that just hypercritical attention to detail really plays a part in how I set up my boat. Um, also the same as it kind of goes out the window, what things get going, or especially if things aren't working, you know, things start getting cut off and, you know, you got to kind of pay attention where you're sticking stuff, you know, um, that we don't wind up, uh, you know, catching hooks and whatever it's, it, it gets, like you said, it gets crowded really, really fast. So, uh, uh, with that organization in mind, uh, and the new angler point of thing, you know, point of view, what kind of advice could you give? Uh, somebody on prepping for a big tournament say we've got the toc coming up like what are you thinking right now um in in your in your in your preparatory phases for that you know how are you getting all your gear ready uh well i mean it just depends on the fishery in my opinion uh and kind of what you're going to do there how you're going to approach it and you know all those lakes for the nc they all fish pretty shallow i mean they Mm -hmm. might have some deep water areas but it's Excuse me. I was about to burp, but I ended up picking up. <laughs> Just go with the burp, man. It's fine. We do it here all but, the time. Um, yeah, so all those are pretty shallow uh, lakes. So, I mean, you can go ahead and take out, you know, deep diving crankbaits and, mm-hmm. you know, certain things that, you know, you'd be using at, maybe at other lakes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and I mean, you can keep it pretty simple uh, when you are fishing, let's just say, 10 foot or shallower water. So, yeah, I mean, I think that the best tip I can give is just to keep it simple. Yeah. You don't need a, you probably really don't need a lot. Um the, you know, it's pretty simple bass fishing. It's just that the fish are a little bit bigger than, you know, most people are probably used to on average. Yeah, that's a it's a uh are you you're going to be at the NC, aren't you? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, I don't know how much experience you have on Cato, but it's, it's uh, <laughs> like you said, it's, it's definitely one of those lakes that you get into. Um, I used to live like 20 minutes from there. So it's like, you know, you get into that lake and it's, it can be fierce, you know, it's, it's Jurassic park, man. It's like, uh, I mean, there's some big fish in there. There's some, uh, there's some critters. <laughs> you know? It's like, uh, so yeah, I really, I really think, um, you're right. Trimming stuff down, you know, keeping things low profile, you know, we're probably not going to be throwing the deep diving cranks. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of, just, I mean, it's uh, like Roland just asked, uh, how many, how many rods do you usually take? I mean, it's like lake dependent. It, I think yeah, that. Yeah, it's so lake dependent. Yeah, like, it's, you there's, know, if, it depends like on if I have it dialed down or if I'm totally going to be junk fishing or, mm -hmm. you know, if there's smallmouth bass and largemouth bass, you know, I might take a couple extra rods to target smallies that, you know, I wouldn't be using for largemouth. It, mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just so lake and water dependent, you know, if it's just largemouth and just caddo, I could probably get away with like six rods, you know? Right. Um, and that, that's what I found myself doing today, you know, after, after visiting Dobbins HQ and, and, uh, and, you know, getting some trade-ins and trade-ups and, uh, you know, I, I have all my rods lined up and, you know, we're getting ready to kind of start rigging. I mean, start thinking about it two, three weeks out, you know, like have your plan. The more you have your plan, you know, <laughs> you're gonna be. but I found myself going through there and I'm going, okay, you know, when I was at Kentucky Lake and I really didn't know what to do, like you said, I knew there was going to be small mouth. I knew there was going to be both, you know, and I got 10 rods, you know, I'm like, how do I trim that down to six? Cause that's what I was thinking. I'm like, you know, it's Caddo, you know, Caddo, I fished Caddo with two rods, you know? So it's like, how do you whittle it down? You know, like in multi-purpose and things, like you said, pull the deep diving crankbaits out. Like I don't throw a lot of crankbaits on Caddo. So it's like, I just took, um, I took one of my boxes, one of my Bass Mafia boxes and just labeled it trebles. And it's like pretty much anything with the treble on it goes in that box. Cause I don't think I need a box for jerk baits, you know, treble top waters, crankbaits, you know, it's I just try and reduce, try and get that weight down and try and think that, okay, I'm going to be on the water for three days of actual tournament fishing. We're going to have how many days of practice? I mean, odds are probably two or three days ahead of that practicing. So you're talking a solid, you know, five, six days on the water, back to back to back. Yeah. Wear on your equipment, wear on your batteries, you know, even with the best batteries, even with the Dakotas in there, when you start charging every night, every night, every night, you know, you're up late you know, up early, you know, you're not getting those great charge cycles. It's like, you got to think of the wear and tear. So the more weight we can take off that boat, the better. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what else, what else, where, where are you going for the TOC? Is that, uh, Gunnersville? Uh, Lake you follow. You follow. Alabama. That's right. You yeah. follow. So what, what are you thinking for a lake? Like you follow what offshore grass? Yeah. You know, there is, I've never been to you follow. Uh, I've just kind of heard a little either. bit about it and, Honestly, I'm going to do a little research, but I'm not going to go into it and overwhelm myself with too much. I'm going to go into it and uh, kind of try to figure it out on the fly. I think I do the best when I do that. Like, uh, I'll definitely do some homework on it. So I'm mm -hmm. not, you know, I'm not oblivious to the names of places and stuff like that, but right. I'm not going to go into it. And I don't, I'll, like I said, I'll, I'm going to try to figure it out on the fly. Yeah. And you know, in the, the few lakes that I've been to that have been kind of foreign to me, I found that that I've kind of done better when I did that. Like you said, like kind of do some aerial views. I mean, sometimes it can stick you. Like I think Kentucky Lake, I picked the wrong area. The guys that were placing up there, um, I don't know where you wound up, but you know, the guys that were in the current, like they got up there, they found some good current. 
that's what was working. You know, I was a little, I was a little too far out of the current, I think. Um, but, uh, lessons learned, you know, (laughs) it's, uh, um, so it's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, sometimes going into something a little more natural is, is great. And I found that like using my practice time more efficiently has really helped me a lot. Like instead of going out there and going fishing, I go out there and cover water. I go out there and I move fast, you know, instead of just breaking, like I, I need more beer, man. The, uh, um, but, uh, but I mean, it's kind of like, uh, like what's your, what's your take on that? I'm breaking down water since you're, you know, you're thinking of shooting from the hip. Um, like, um what I, like kind to, of- I do like to cover water and just look at water. I'm not really big on catching a lot of fish in practice. Cause I typically know if I catch them in practice, I won't catch them in the tournament and, um, and for me, I just want to see the right quality of fish in a certain area. Once I see that, you know, that's kind of what I'm looking for. <coughs> yeah, Brian, Brian Hell's like, ain't no offshore grass and you follow, but I wish there was. And he's, and he said to get, get this man some water or Roland says tequila. The, uh, yeah, I would love some tequila. But... Right. The, uh. <laughs> Um, oh man, you'll appreciate this from a chef point of view. Um, I'm just re- getting ready to put wine and beer in my place and I found this stuff. It's sake, but it's liquor infused. So they have like tequila sake. It's really, good. it's really cool. Like you'll have to check it out. It's awesome. Um, okay. I, w- I wanted to, there was a question back here that I wanted to hit. Uh, Jeremy, what's mass best advice for a new guide? Cause I know that, that Jeremy's out there. He's doing some stuff out in, uh, in, in deep East Texas. So what can you tell somebody that's looking into guiding? Man, um, it's been, you know, it's a little bit of a challenge just from like, for me personally, just due to, uh, river, you know, like I got on the Brazos a lot and a lot of times like getting like the right conditions to have good guide trips, you know, I mean, you have to have the weather cooperate, you have to have the water releases cooperate. So having somewhere that you can take people that is a stable fishery definitely Mm -hmm. will help you, you know? So like, for me, I really don't have that like as consistently as I'd like to have it because, like I said, sometimes like we'll have water releases that will go on for two to three months, and mm-hmm. you know I can't really put you know um, you know an amateur I, yeah. kayaker on the on the water because it's just a liability, you know. So <clears throat> having somewhere that you can go and you can count on, you know, where the water's going to be consistent, the fishing's pretty consistent. That's definitely an important thing. And, you know, you obviously, you know, you need to carry liability insurance and, you know, all those wonderful things, you mm-hmm. know, get CPR certified and, you know, all that, uh, set it up as a LLC, you know, so yeah, if something happens, yeah. you know, Barrier for you. Yeah. So, yeah. I, um, but yeah, I mean, just keep it simple and try to enjoy it and, you know, hopefully, you know, you can build it with time, you know, don't get too disappointed if you don't have 50 trips in the first year you know as, as long as you get out there and you get doing it and you're getting clients and you know you're you're building that clientele i mean that's really the important thing and you know it, it just it takes time yeah you know? do you do you have a lot of repeat business as a i guy? do i mean most people will come back i'd say probably half the people yeah, I would imagine that that would that would kind. Of, I haven't I haven't done. I I I, got, I guided some some duck hunts back in the day, but it's like uh, it was kind of the same thing, you know. From season to season, you kind of want oh, doctor so and so from Arizona to come back, you know. 
Uh, but it's kind of giving them that, uh, giving them that experience and giving them that, uh, you know, that, uh, I don't know. It's, I think attention to detail kind of flies on that too. Just how well you take care of people, how well you, you know, uh, prepare it's a service them for industry. Success. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. You know, and it, it doesn't matter if you're cooking and giving them good food or you're giving them a good experience on the water. I mean, your job is to, you know, is to please them and and then do what it takes. So, yeah, yeah I think that's that's a uh, that's that's a great way to put it. Is uh, is just just treat it like service and to treat it treat it like you're cooking a meal for somebody and make them happy from the second they arrive in the door to the second that they get off the water. So, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Roland, we kind of got on this, uh, but Roland wanted to know what about lakes you haven't fished? How do you find the best areas to fish? Like it, so, it, like Pickwick. I had never been to Pickwick before. Um, mm-hmm. That was the first time I'd been to Pickwick. Uh, honestly, I just look at a lot of aerials. You know, I'll compare Apple Maps and I'll compare Google Maps. And, you know, there's certain kind of things I look for. If it's a place that has a lot of current, I'll look to see, you know, current seams and mud lines and things mm-hmm. like that that, you know, can kind of show me the way that the the place will look if you do get the current or you do get rain or any of that stuff. You can see how it muddies up. You can see how water flows. And so it's stuff like that that I kind of look for. You can see grass. You can see offshore features. And so that looking at aerials definitely helps. Right. And well, and, and same here, like, like I'll, I'll go through a lot of maps. I won't really dig into a lot of, uh, you know, when I was first getting going, I was trying to go, you know, go watch YouTube videos and watch, uh, you know, past tournaments and watch, you know, uh, it, it was very time consuming uh, when I found that really the best thing that I, that I've, that I've done when I've traveled around the lakes is, is go to, go to the aerials, go to Google earth, go to it on your, on your laptop, uh, switch tiles in between. Uh, you can access historical uh, like archival footage from the satellites. Now it's been around for long enough um, that you can go through and you can look at it and maybe you can see it on a year that's a little bit drier and you can see, uh, you know, low spots, you can see high spots. You can like Matt's, you you can see you know uh, mud lines you can see uh and something that has a lot of current to it you know you can see a lot of that uh shaping of the river beds and um it, well and i and i think it it kind of gives you an opportunity to think like a fish a little bit more too because this one the one constant in this thing is it's like if you roll into a spot and you think like well if i was a fish i'd be right there lots of times there's a fish there you just got to catch it you know it's like yeah. uh um, what, speaking of that, like lots of times there's a fish there, you just got to catch it. What's your, uh, what's your kind of presentation process when you go and say to you, you've got it down to that cool cove or a uh, little Creek bed or something like that. And you go in there how are you going to pick that apart with your, uh, with your presentations? Well, it just depends on the, the conditions that day. Typically, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if it's a low pressure day, if it's windy, if it's sunny, bluebird sky, and there's all those little conditions that dictate how aggressively right. the fish are probably going to be feeding. So, I mean, like a lot of people, I like to fish pretty fast if I can um, and cover water and, you know, however that is, you know, if it's a swim bait, a chatter bait, a spinner bait, a crank bait, a uh, buzz bait, you know, there's just a number of things you can throw out there and, and work real fast uh, and get reaction bites. The um, And if you can get bit like that, I like to get bit like that. Um, yeah for reals there's days <laughs> a lot easier yeah where the conditions dictate otherwise and you really have to slow down mm-hmm. um fishing pressure if there's a lot of fishing pressure something you have to take into mind I, it, that's the way pickwick was there's a lot of fishing pressure where i was fishing at 
and the fish were there, but you had to be like the, you know, you had to be the best community hole fisherman in the community right. hole, you know, yeah. I mean, you had to really fool some really smart fish uh, that yeah. had all been caught before and seen a bunch of baits and, you know, anything that was really popular or common, uh, you know, it was, it, it was hard to get bit on there. It was hard to get bit on power fishing techniques for me at least. Yeah. Um, so I, I had to slow down and finesse and I find that that's always been good to me. Anytime I've been on a grass fishery, any place with a lot of grass slowing down, um, has always really helped. Yeah. Well, and, and that's one of those, that's kind of hard to get used to. It, it, it's like you said, you like to move fast, but it's, but, and I'm, I'm just learning to move fast. It's like, that's one of my biggest problems is I'll go into an area and I'll look at this one cove and it has, you know, 12, you know, beautiful lay downs. You're just like, Oh man, this is awesome. This is the spot. You know, it's like, I know this is the spot. And then you just sit there and you pick it apart and pick it apart. And next thing you know, you wasted two hours, you know, and, and you caught two, you know? So it's like, learning to pick up the pace and learning to alter up those presentations and learning how to get that bike going fat, like kind of unlock the puzzle fast. And, and that's yeah. like a huge challenge, you know, and that's, uh, that's, that's, um, and, and I think a pressure makes me think of like Rayburn, you know, like you go down to Rayburn, Rayburn's just beat up all the time and, you know, and then you figure out like, I, th I think one of the things that's really helped me kind of figure it out is keeping a log of stuff. It's like, I'll just kind of keep a little notebook and like after, you know, say Rayburn a couple of weeks ago, I'll go in and write down and be like, all right, man, we, uh, it was this, you know, it was, it was pretty cloudy. You know, it was, uh, moon was like this water temperature was 88, you know, uh, heavy pressure. They were biting this throughout the day, you know, and, uh, kind of giving you something to go back and, 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 and look, look at what you did there historically, you know, that's, uh, cause it's, uh, it's, it, it can be tough, especially in those lakes that just get beat up. Um, now I know uh, in watching the uh, the the award footage from Hobie, which you got, uh, it was third overall, right? Yeah, yeah. So third overall, which is, I mean, amongst that field and how everybody was doing, which is incredible. Um, which you seem to just do so often, man. You're just so like consistently, like just, um, you know, just just right there. Um, but you know, going into uh, into day two. Like, like I know you kind of had like, like, like a, uh, a pretty rugged day one. So, uh, when you have a day like that, like when you have like, like, like maybe share with people kind of like what your day one was if in case they didn't see the awards, but, uh, yeah, I, so day one at the Hobie, I had an area picked out that, uh, I felt was really confident in practice that there was a lot of fish there. And, um, apparently like everybody found that spot you know i mean it was not a huge secret uh it was the best looking spot when i was looking at the aerial map mm -hmm. um and so like i got there and there was a bunch of kayakers and a bunch of bass boats and the area had been getting fished hard anyways for a few days prior to that and so it just fished really tough the, the fish were locked down and uh there was i mean I hadn't seen that place on a Saturday before. Like I said, it's my first time to go to Pickwick. And I mean, it was, it was just insanely crowded. And I, um, I didn't have the fish like really dialed in any spot, but that one little area. And there were so many people there. Like I just never really got it going in the morning. No. And so, uh, I ended up just kind of bouncing around and trying to get some stuff going, like small mouth stuff when the large mouth weren't really going. And you know, it just wasn't happening, man. I mean, 
everything I was trying that uh, to repeat that I'd caught fish on in practice, like it, it wasn't working. And uh, I circled back around kind of late in the day and I kind of got in some grass and saw some fish schooling in it. And um, that was like the one thing that I'd said before the tournament is if they started jumping out of the water, like they were in practice, I'd be able to catch them because it's hard to tell like where the fish are when there's, just a ton of submerged grass everywhere and they can kind of be anywhere throughout that submerged grass, you know, trying to find those little tiny areas that small, like 2% of the water that they're really trying to use, you know, that can be kind of hard to narrow down. But, uh, as the day went on, I, like I said, I kind of stumbled on one of those areas where they were schooling at. And, um, I just hunkered down there. Like once I saw them and I saw that there were big ones there, um, I was, I just made up my mind that I was going to catch them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just tried really hard. I mean, day one, they had the weather wrong. It was a lot sunnier than it was supposed to be. It was supposed to rain. Um, and when I saw it was sunny, I mean, I'll, I do it a lot. I mean, I, I'll go and I'll try to punch a grass, you know, cause those bass that dive up under the grass, up underneath the canopy. Mm-hmm. And, um, I missed one bass like two times and, um, you know, I actually, there might've been a couple of bass in the spot, but I'd missed a good one a couple of times. I left the area, came back and ended up catching it in the last hour. Nice. Caught another really nice one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was crazy. I, I mean, I, after you miss a fish a few times, you don't expect to ca- go back and catch it. But, uh, I gave her a little bit of time to forget about it. Went back and she was still wanting to eat that, uh, that D bomb on the punching weight. So yeah. Uh, caught another really nice one just like six minutes later, right next to her. And, um, with 10 minutes to go, uh, on like a green pumpkin sungill fluke, um, I caught another really nice one on day one. And, uh, you know, it's just like, it was kind of crazy how it all happened. Uh, you know, uh, I had a one fish at, uh, 148 and I have a stone of fluke that fluke out there and a really nice one grabs it and it jumps out of the water and uh jumps off and when it jumps off um the braid got all knotted and like this really gnarly wind knot i mean it sent it back to the point where like there was no way you were gonna like fire a shot back out there i mean it was so knotted up i just took the scissors out and cut the line set it beside me and uh ended up having to retie a fluke on a bait caster and um after i tied the fluke on the bait caster for like the last hour i landed every fish that i caught on it and um, it was just like a really good adjustment that I made kind of later in the day on day one. And I also finding this fish and, and knowing they were there uh, day two, I just went straight to that area and, and almost immediately started catching them. So it was, uh, it was definitely just a nice little find. And, you know, I kind of, I got blessed that, uh, you know, I stumbled on them at the right time when the fishing pressure started getting a little bit lower and, mm-hmm. and you know, they, they'd fired up and got active and, you know, it's right place, right time, you know, good timing on that. And, you know, they, they weren't super easy to catch, but, uh, mm-hmm. I was persistent and, uh, you know, after, you know, kind of continuing to hammer at it. I mean, there was one fish on day two. I probably casted that fish 300 times with, <laughs> with like, I mean, four or five different presentations and different colors. And, you know, uh, it was insane. Like, uh, it was a very difficult fish to catch, but I eventually caught that sucker. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you well, know, I, was- I, ha- I have to ask because I know you're a Dobbins guy like me. Um, when you switched the bait caster on the fluke, uh, what rod did you use for that fluke? Uh, 
733 champion. Damn, knew it. Could have called it. <laughs> That's such a great rod for um and well and 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 people out there in 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 La La Land um when you throw stuff uh like a lot of these little more finessey kind of presentations on a bait caster, there's some rods out there that really work well for that stuff. And that 733 is beast i love that rod that's also what i throw my split shot rig on and i want to turn them down on like amistad uh yeah earlier this year um throwing a split shot rig down there and i've done really well in the past you know with that rig too so that's a great one the uh i when uh when i got got my first big check at kbf um that was i was throwing throwing a wacky on that bait caster because i was more uh I felt more confident in because I was fishing the river in Fort Worth, and I felt more confident in skipping with a bait caster than I do with a uh, with a spinning rod. So uh, I knew I was going to have to skip up under those trees along the bank all day long. So it's like I switched my wacky rig to that seven thirty three, and man, it really worked wonders. You know, now now I'm really, I'm really working on on getting my spinning rod game down a little bit more. Uh, but well, yeah, it's a great. I rod. was losing fish on the spinning rod at Pickwick. Just due to the fact that they were grabbing my fluke and they were diving down in the grass with it, you know, they were the fish. I mean, the grass is really submerged, like right under the surface. A lot of mm -hmm. times, like, and, I mean, sometimes they would hit my, my bait. Like it was like, you know, like a topwater frog or something because it'd literally be on the very top of the grass. Um, and so they would grab it and they'd go down under it and it would be really difficult to keep the amount of pressure on them that you need to keep on them in my opinion. And, um, I was losing some fish on day one uh, when I kind of started figuring out what to throw at them uh, and making the adjustment to the bait caster. I don't think I lost another fish the whole tournament. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes you just need that extra little bit of oomph or, uh, you know, like you got to, and a lot of times you got to think of how they're biting stuff. You got to think about maybe switching up that hook size, maybe switching up uh, to something that can drive that hook a little better into their mouths. And I think that that's like, once you kind of start getting the chops for this, uh, from a newbie point of view, as you as you start thinking about not just how you present that bait, but how are you going to, once you present that bait into the location that you want to get it and you get to where you can really put that bait where you want it and, and, and maneuver it how you want it, then there's other things that you still got to think about. You got to start thinking about line size, sizes. You got to start thinking about achieving the proper depths that you want to get to. You got to think about, you know, being able to drive, you know, hook selection and is the rod that you're using capable of driving that hook into the fish's mouth with how they're biting that day? It's uh this is this is like the things that when you start listening to guys, you know, like a lot of the elite guys and things like that, when they're talking about stuff in your videos and you're just like, my God, how do they know all this? You know, it's like, oh, the so-and-so rod with this and that, and blah, 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 and this hook, and this is why, you know. Um, it, it's it's pretty it's, it's it's pretty remarkable stuff, you know. But Brian, of course, this is Texas, what's a spinning rod? Yeah, you're right, you're right, but you know, we're not all just fishing in Texas though, too. Right. So that's, uh, when you start traveling around as, as Brian obviously knows, these guys are freaking like one of the hammers of the hammers. Uh, uh, Roland wants to know, uh, what's a split shot rig? Uh, split shot rig is basically just like your, your weightless worm. It could be like a, it could be really any worm you want to throw on it. Um, it could be a fluke. It could be like a rattlesnake. It could be anything like that. Something that's kind of, I prefer something that darts and glides a little bit, but um, it's just a pegged weight, like a little tiny, or a split shot is just a weight that you crimp on the line. You know, it's like what you'd see your basic bluegill fishing 
mm-hmm. you know, weight where you just crimp it on the line. Uh, that's a split shot. And I mean, at its most simple form, that's like a real been, classic wacky rig, you know, yeah, you, you put it 53 inches up, you know, like 15 inches above the worm and uh, throw it out there and you just twitch it along above the grass. Or mm-hmm. if the fish are suspended, it works really good for like, you know, even suspended schooling fish, you know, this gives you a little bit of weight to help you throw it out there a little bit further. Well, and, um, and like getting that weight out in front of us, like I, I, I'll do that on the uh, on the missile uh, the missile shock waves, which is like their little kind of swimmy bait. Uh, but but kind of put that weight out there ahead, and when you give it a little twitch, it'll just kind of they'll kind of drop over those edges, you know, like those. Yeah, those no, it, it does give it a little action. It helps it kind of dart and glide. You know, every time you twitch it, you know that worm's gonna react to it. And so I mean, it's just a really killer way to catch fish in the grass. Like BH says, pretty much a finesse Carolina rig. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think of it as like a jerk bait. It, it's it's yeah. just a jerk. It's a soft plastic weedless jerk bait, and uh, you you know you're just using it to finesse. A lot of times those fish are sitting up under the grass and even submerged grass, and they're looking up, waiting for something to go by, and they see that worm dart by, and it kind of glides and hangs and falls and shimmies and. They can't resist it. They'll, yeah. they'll shoot it out of the grass and hammer it just, yeah, just like about every time. Gives you that little let off. like and, and, and that's one of those things that you'll find when you're learning presentations is is kind of when you give things a little motion, a little added, you know, instead of just reeling something back or changing a retrieve speed, if you give something a little twitch or like, and I want to ask you more about this here in a second, is uh, you know doing some stuff with your reel, like just reeling, stopping, you know, give it a little chug spin it some more, you know, kind of gives that darting motion. And yeah. when you release that pressure, you release that motion and you let it kind of do that, you know, and the bait kind of drops off, that's when they're going to nail it. Absolutely. Um, speaking on that motion, on the, on that rod, uh, Brian, split shotting is really popular in California. Nobody cares about California, Brian. Nobody cares. I'm kidding. We care. We love you. You're a little California friend and we love you uh roland uh water rod actions are best for stuff like that i'm going like a three power you know seven i use that 733 for anything that's soft plastic and flukes and and light yeah fluke and then uh once i start going to like anything with a weed guard like a jig i go to 734 735 yeah yeah i've got the 734 which is a great dobbins in the in the in the champion series in the dc 734 is a real workhorse all around if I had to have one rod for the rest of my life, it would probably be the DC 734. Um, the DX, like getting up into the into the the HP Champ series, you know, like the the 745 is great. I have that some. So it's just, yeah, when you when you start getting into heavier stuff, up it. But yeah, for for something like that kind of finesse on a, on a casting rod, you know, yeah, definitely like the three power is is pretty is pretty killer for it. Yeah, it's what you need. Brian, 733, also a Dobbins guy. 733 and 734, two most versatile rods they make. Absolutely. That's uh, um, I think I have two 733s now. I've got one DC 734, and I'm probably going to – I was just thinking the other day because um, there was a few of us. We were out fishing for uh, for the for Pat's charity tournament and uh, in another tournament that was going on, and we were just flaming them on, on top waters all day long. And I was like, man, I wish I just, I wish I had two, th- two seven thirty fours. You know, I was just in there going like, I was just like, I really wish I had two seven thirty fours. That if they missed one, I could wing something back out there. And it's a really great spinnerbait rod too. It's really probably yeah. my favorite rod the spinnerbait on. My favorite spinnerbait rod for them right now is the seven thirty six CB glass. And it sounds heavy, 
but it's wicked for them. Just got that. It's got that glass bend to it. And like with the spinner bait, there's just something about it that it just, when they hit it, it's just like, I don't know. It's awesome. Oh yeah, I have it. And I could see it being good for like maybe yeah. a half ounce, three quarter yeah. ounce. Yeah, bigger. But like, it might be a little too big for like a three like eighths or lower. Yeah. 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 yeah it's quarter inch, three eighths, like probably definitely like seven thirty four, seven thirty three. Yeah, depending on grass there, that's what I would think. It's like if, it, if I was really ripping it through some grass, I'd go with the 734. But if it was pretty mellow or river or something like that, 733 would be killer. Um, but a medium action, yeah, Roland's like medium action. Um, medium, medium heavy, medium, uh, medium heavy fast, you know, like just kind of. Yeah, it's a medium heavy. A 733 yeah. is rated as a medium heavy, but it it's more but on the medium heavy. Yeah, than, like than the heavy side. Yeah. And it's also a really great shaky head rod too. Like, I, I mean, that seven thirty three is just all around mm -hmm. great rod. All around and great, yeah. That's, I've never used the seven thirty three for shaky head. I've used it when I had a seven hundred three before. I just got a seven hundred three today for for spinning the HP. But uh, the three power is is was great just in the seven foot rod. So I can only imagine the seven thirty three is going to be just as good, if not better. Um, but yeah. Um, we could just sit here and geek out over Dobbins rods all day long. <laughs> um, it could be a whole show in itself. We'll just have Bryce on and we'll all just geek out over Dobbins rods. The uh, let's see, let's look at some questions. Uh, uh, here you go. Yeah, Roland. He's like, you don't know what Dobbins numbers mean. Seven foot, three inch, four power. That would be a seven seven thirty four. Seven foot, three inches long. It's a four power, which is like a medium heavy, uh, kind of moderate. Yeah. Your first two numbers are like the foot and the like, inches, yeah. and then the last number is the power. The so yeah. the higher the power, the the more stout the rod. Mm -hmm. So if it's anything that's four, five, six, and up, it's going to be a really stout rod or more yeah. stout rod. Uh, and in your three, two, one, zero is going to be a more mm -hmm. finesse rod. Yeah. The uh, okie dokie, got it. The uh, oh, I was going to ask you the chugging. Um, I heard. And like we were all, we were all sitting around talking about it. Uh, um, I think it was Fort Worth. You guys were up by the park, but, uh, and, and Jamie and then, then the guy, the gang still talk about the, uh, the, the scotch frog retrieve technique. Um, like tell people a little bit about that kind of like controlling bait with a reel. Like, uh, what, what kind of reels do you like throwing on top waters and, and like, how do you impart that action with Yeah. Uh, so a lot of times when I walk a fluke, a spook, a frog, any of that stuff, spinnerbait. <clears throat> I do everything. I keep the rod tip pointed to the bait. And the reason that I do this is um, if you have your rod pointed to the bait and you have the tension tight, when the fish grabs it or strikes it, all you have to do is pull back every single time. You're never out of position. If you're sitting there twitching a bait down, you're working it down with your rod tip, a lot mm -hmm. of times you're twitching down right when that fish hits, you're out of position and you miss the strike. Right. So, I mean, I'd probably say 85% of the time when I'm working just about every bait, I work it just like you see my hands working right here. Mm -hmm. I just do it with the twitching of the reel handle. And right. sometimes it's a quarter of a turn. It depends on the bait. You know, if it's a, like I said, a fluke, it could be a single, it could really be any bait that I'm working. Mm -hmm. A spinner bait, I'm working it like this like i'm just twitching it and and then the reason for that is like when i work it like this i'm getting the same darting action and i'm also keeping my rod in position to set the hook on the fish 
Hey, that, that, like at, like Adam Petronier, he said, makes perfect sense. And it does. It makes perfect sense. And a lot of times, uh, he also said, remember a lot of conversation about that with all of us sitting around. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've, I've messed with that a little bit on, you know, especially on frogs or on uh, some walking baits and things like that. And what people um, – do you tend to favor a little faster reels for that? Uh, yeah, I mean a seven or eight speed reel typically. Yeah, like I would usually do like a like a 7.5 or an 8.3 or something like that yeah. on a frog. And like twitching like that, um, when you think about how much, uh, how much line you're actually moving with that reel you know it's like when you start talking about you know 26 28 29 30 inches of, of line you know you're talking 15 inches of pull so you're talking about moving your rod 15 you know inches with a half a turn with just a little whip you know so in 15 inches of rod tip like you said could really be the difference between you being way out of position uh, especially if you're like it kind of at an awkward kayak angle like sometimes we get ourselves into our pitching backwards and we're kind of geeking that bait around you know if, if you're just working your reel and you keep that rob tip in place that's a really good idea man that's like one of those things that's that's like that's 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 one of those those secret pro tips and if any of you guys out there you know win the the national championship or something like that and you and you you be honest with yourself if you were twitching your reel handle like that and it was because of this man you buy him dinner or a case of beer or something <laughs> yeah i mean it's a really great way to work a fluke or mm -hmm. a spook. Um, I mean, just about any time I work a topwater bait. And I mean, that's the way, like when I guide, it's one of the first things I teach people because it's such a verse, like, you know, you can use a, a spook anywhere and uh, it's almost, it's like a fishing life skill to kind of know how to do that. So it's kind of one of the, one thing I almost always do is teach people how to, how to walk the dog and mm -hmm. you know, um, how to keep the rod tip, you know, pointed at the bait. Um, I guess I feel like it's really, really important and, uh, it definitely f helps me catch more fish. And I mean, the uh, frog's the same way. I mean, I work anything on top just like that. Right. The, uh, well, and, and I mean, I think it's everybody's favorite way to catch fish is top water. So, uh, especially a frog, if you can get the frogs just ripping the, uh, um, what, what's your, uh, what, what's your favorite frog? Oh God, I can't believe you made me do this. Uh, the jackal care frog is by okay. far my yeah. favorite frog. Yeah, jackal frogs are those, those are killer. Yeah, uh, like I, I love the jackals. I love the top toads for a little bit bigger. You know, kind of kind of blooping frog. Uh, yeah. Spros. I mean, like like the the spro uh, popping frog. Is I've caught I've caught a lot of fish on you know, and I've tried all the frogs. I mean, they're all pretty good. Um, but yeah, my favorite's by far the Kara frog. When I mm -hmm. was catching them really good in that Trinity event, mm -hmm. um, I caught every single fish on the Kara frog, oh, wow. except for one. I caught one on spinner bait, but you know, just about all the other ones were on a frog. Yeah, yeah, that's a. Um, so let's see what else we got. Um, uh, let's go into a, a little bit of Hobie and kind of traveling around some travel tips for these guys because I know that you've kind of. Uh, you've kind of made a full-time go of this thing this year. You've hit a lot of events and been all over. And every time I get somewhere and, and I, and I see you there, I'm kind of like, Oh, I didn't know you're going to be here. And I'm like, oh, dude, I should just know you're going to be there. You know, it's kind of like you're, you're yeah. there. So, um, making those changes in your life to where you can, it's, it's kind of like the things that I, that I'm working towards now in, in my life is to where, 
um, you figure out something that you're really passionate about that you really like that uh, you're, 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 you're pretty good at, you know, like it's uh, um, you have potential in, you know, you feel like you could go make a good run at things. How do you, how do you position your life um, or your career uh, or well, how, I, how, do you, guess- how do you do that? I didn't have a lot of things holding me back. You know, I didn't, Mm -hmm. I don't have kids and all that, you know, I mean, that responsibility alone definitely hinders some people, you know, and the amount of free time that people have Um, and not having that holding me back. I mean, it gives me so much more time to, to be able to go out and fish. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that that was a big thing that kind (laughs) of, you know, just a lot of people my age definitely have a family or something going on and, you know, I've got all that extra time to kind of dedicate to fishing and it, it's something I always loved, but I, I got away from, you know, no one had told me, you know, when I was in high school or middle school that I could make a living fishing really. I mean, it was like, you know, you got to go to school and, you know, it was just a different route, you know, that was always preachy. And, uh, if I had known that I could make a living fishing, I would have started this like, you know, when I was like, yeah. 18 you know yeah. i would have never gone to yeah. culinary school and worked in the food industry for you know 10 years so um you know better late than never uh i'm happy that you know that things in my life change when they change you know and you don't always understand when you're going through changes why things are working out the way they're working out but you know i mean there's always a plan and uh just try to make the best of things you know uh you you know, even when bad things happen, you feel like you're kind of slipping off track, you know, I mean, just remaining positive and, and, you know, and that's with anything, you know, it could be a fishing tournament or work or life or, you know, any, any sort of personal struggle you're going through, you know, just trying to stay positive. Um, not a lot really gets me down. I, I really do try to stay positive. Um, even when things aren't working out, like even at the tournament at Pickwick, you know, and I didn't have a fish for six hours, you know, I, I didn't let that stop me from continuing to fish and you know kind of keeping my heart still in it you know uh, so you know just positive mental attitude is is so important it's huge yeah that's yeah. uh that kind of manifesting that win and just kind of uh uh i think adam and i uh former former uh, ufc fighter uh, that i had on a couple of weeks ago uh he's kayak fishing like crazy now and that's one of the things that we really got to talking about is maintaining that positive mindset just manifesting that win and keeping your keeping your brain and your heart in the game you know it's kind of uh um it, it's huge and and when you have bad days like that one i told you guys about a couple weeks ago when you know i was out on kentucky lake and you know my battery didn't take a charge and it was dead in three hours and i'm paddling and my paddle breaks you know and it's white caps and i'm in the middle of the lake and i've got you know three miles to get to spot number two and you know all this you know it's charlie brown you know and like the chicken little sky is falling you know and it's like dude you just stay in there you just keep going you know it's just uh it's like you said keep your head in the game stay positive stay happy be like man if you're fishing if nothing else, even if it's miserable, man, and you're getting rained on or it's cold or, you know, the fish ain't biting. It's like, you're still out there. At fishing. the end of the day, it's, it's better to get my ass handed to me on a line anywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, I mean, it just makes it's, me a, it's a blessing harder, harder to get to go fishing. It. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and it really is. And it's, and it's, I know a lot of, uh, uh, Jeremy, it's like, I saw this. So the effects of that on Rayburn and yeah, for reals, the uh but yeah it's 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 one of those that what i always tell people is just 
if it's what you want to do, figure it out. Like just, and, and then, then have, have, have the guts to just go, nobody's going to tell me no, nobody's going to tell me I can't because nobody can tell you that you can't, if you want to do it, you'll do it. You know, it's like, if you got to wait till the kids are grown, you got to wait till the kids are grown. I have a kid, he's 23 years old, you know, he's grown, he's gone, he's in the military, me and Bailey, we don't have kids, you know, we're not going to have kids. So put yourself, if, if you want to see yourself professionally fishing five years from now, start now. You know, start getting into it, start doing the little regional ones that you can get to, or start doing the ones that come to Texas or just the one that passes by close, you know, yeah, uh, like far as starting tournaments. Um, when I started doing it, I fished every single one I could make. Like mm -hmm. I, it didn't matter if it was a working man's tournament or just yeah. like a little weekend tournament. Um, any experience you can get, I mean, any time on the water, any time you can be on a new body of water, learning something. I feel like that's really important because it's only going to help you. The more experience you get, the more it's going to help you to be able to break down water. Yeah. Um, it's all, you know, time on the water is so valuable because you learn things through your experiences yeah. and, and I think through your own experiences. Yeah. Like, you know, like you develop walking. skills and confidence and, and confidence and techniques and all of that. So, um, yeah, just get out there as much as you can. It doesn't have to be high stakes when you do it. Just do mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, I mean, you get out there, you're catching fish under pressure. And, and that's kind of one of the things that I tell people, like the difference between uh, people I have asked me, well, well, what's the difference between fishing a tournament and just going fishing? You know, it's like, well, just going fishing. It's kind of like, ah, you're too, you're relaxed. You're just going fishing. Like the difference between being able to catch fi catch fish and having to catch fish or it's two completely different things. So it's like, if you sign up for, like you said, just whatever, a little local tournament, a little regional, one of the nationals comes through, there's no, I'm not ready. Go do it. Just go do it. It's fun. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, KB, unless, unless you're wanting to, to chase rookie of the year, you know, the only one that's doing that right now is KBF. So you don't really got to worry about burning your, your, your red shirt, you know, anywhere other than KBF. So it's like, uh, go try it, man. It's like, uh, I think I've done 20 plus 25 plus days of tournament fishing this, you know, it's like, man, that's, or, or, or actual tournaments. Cause some of them are multiple, we're, we're two day, you know, but, uh, you know, tw 20 plus tournaments, you know, it's like, go do it. You know, why not? What, what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, uh, you, you lose 40 bucks, <laughs> you know, it's a, uh, you can do that going out to dinner, you know? Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, I found that it's kind of tough to, I don't know, to, to keep out of your own head, you know? And it's like, I think that's the biggest, the biggest issue that I've had is just getting in my own head, uh, listening to people going, oh, you're not ready or this guy's not ready or whatever. You know, it's like, just go do it, man. Go do it. Go have fun. L listen to Matthew Scotch, like just go do it. Um, build your life around it. If it's something that you want to do, then do it. You know, it, it, uh, you can make a living at it. So, um, uh, TOC, the uh is this is this kind of the pinnacle yeah it definitely is i mean um there's in my opinion there's like two big events every year that i i want to be competing in and they're it or you know to cash the check and the national kbf national championship hobie toc those mm -hmm. are the two highest paying tournaments and oh, yeah. so for me those are the two that i every single year want to try to be you know in contention to win yeah yeah, totally. The uh, so so the, is this? It, did, did you make TOC last year? 
Oh yeah, I've never yeah. not made it or never okay. not. You, you, you've been in it like like every, every like every time that time there's, so yeah, I've that's qualified. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy says surrounding yourself with a good team is a way to help with the mental side. Absolutely, man. Make make you some buddies. Get out there and talk to people. Um, yeah, I'll say like you know like I've been doing this for almost ten years now, and um, I'm more of a a loner and mm-hmm. you know like. And over those 10 years, I've, I've so, you know, personally, like, I always feel like even in my closest friends, like talking to them, even during the tournaments, like it, more than, times than not, it's all it does is confuse me and, mm-hmm. and get me off my game. So uh, when you're out there, it's, it's good to have friends that are fishing the tournament and all that. And, you know, sometimes they can help you break down the water, but more times than not, just doing your own thing and trusting your gut is the absolute best thing to do. Yeah. Well, and, the, and I've kind of found myself doing the same things as I love having, and thank you, Jeremy, you've helped me a ton with, with every side of fishing. He says Lance has helped me tremendously with the mental side. Uh, mental is, is, is huge, you know, and that's, uh, uh, but, but I, I find myself doing the same thing as it's like, I find the comfort in meeting people because I'm, I'm very much an, an introvert. I'm an extroverted introvert. So it's like kind of, expressing myself and like just doing this show is kind of like therapy for me. Um, it's, uh, but getting out and meeting people and talking to people, just having friendly faces when you're out and about on the road that, you know, when you're far from home, like, like sometimes you'll get there, man. And then it's like, you're, you know, I think I, I don't remember where I was. I think it was a Hartwell or something like that. But, um, I was stay. I wound up staying in an area that I wasn't close to anybody. It was whatever. I kind of did like none of my buddies were there. No, nobody that I really knew, um, so it, you can kind of get alone and that can kind of be a negative impact on your brain. If you really kind of truly feel alone out there, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I would encourage people to get out there and get out of your comfort zone. And, and, you know, when you go to these local tournaments, when you go to regionals, even nationals, don't be afraid to just walk up to people and go, Hey, how's it going? You know? Yeah. I mean, Lance, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> I've met a lot of people that very way. I mean, mm-hmm. I can remember the very first tournament that um, Eric Siddiqui ever fished. I mean, I had done pretty well. It was at Toledo Bend on day one, and I was in third place. And I was sitting there after day one, and he just walks right up and er- introduces himself and starts talking my ear off. And yeah. <laughs> the guy was, he was really personal, and, you know, I, I couldn't help but, um, you know, feel like, I, you know, I, I needed to kind of – point him in the right direction and and uh it was just kind of interesting to see like you know just that like one interaction with somebody on their at their first tournament and now that same guy is kind of like a he's a national name you know everybody knows him so uh it's it's just kind of cool you never know who you're gonna meet out there and um you also you know like you said you know never be afraid to go up and and talk to somebody because like honestly like there's a lot of people out there and that's kind of when somebody walks up and introduces themselves to me, that's like the number one way, like I kind of learn who they are, you know, there's yeah. social media and all that stuff. But for me, it's hard to keep up with that. Um, most, like uh, anytime somebody walks up and introduces themselves, says, hi, I'm such and such. Um, most of the time I already know the name, but like mm-hmm. putting the name and the face together, um, it always helps. And, you yeah. know, like I said, you just never know where that might go or, you know, where it might take you, you know, I mean, yeah. just walking up and talking to somebody. 
Well, and, and it helps you. Like, I mean, it, it helps me a lot with, uh, like I said, my, my kind of anxiety and, uh, um, you know, my, uh, my, my, my veteran related stuff, you know, it's like, I have a hard time remembering things or remembering people or, or, uh, you know, it, it really helps to get out there and do that. It, it's, it's like, I'm not somebody that had a lot of buddies before I started kayak fishing again. It's like I, I had kayak fish for a while, then I got out of it because I was just so hot and heavy in the, in the kitchen world, you know, that it's just like, you know, man, I didn't have time, you know? And then when I finally yeah, got, I I got back into it, it's so helpful to just go talk to people. And, uh, it, oh God, I did it. I did, I did it with you. It's like, I, I think of, uh, like, I think the, the, my first big check day was at KBF in Fort Worth and I'm and, and you're like, Oh, you know, Hey, how's it going? And I'm like, Oh, Hey, I'm Lance. And you're like, yeah, we already met. And I was like, what? Yeah. You know, it was like, Oh yeah, we met in the lake, you know, like, uh, uh, but it kind of helps you remember that and it helps you get to know people. And it's kind of a form of therapy on its own to where a lot of us, cause there's a ton of vets and stuff that are, that are out here fishing, you know? And it's like, uh, one of the things that we do the most is, is we kind of retract and withdraw and we kind of get back and, and, and that's why I always kind of just preach to people to get out there and, uh, and, uh, like, uh, Phil here, uh, as a rookie to a full season, finding a good local group helps a lot. Be lost out the ones I met this year. Absolutely, man. It's like, uh, it's so fulfilling and it's so cool. Like, even if you are having a bad day, like, like when I get to fishing, like I get to fishing, like I'm not one of those, I don't want to talk on the phone. Like, I don't want to text. I don't, I don't check the, the leaderboard. Like I'm just, I'm gunning, I'm going. Um, but when I'm off the water, it's like, if like my, my wife, she, she kind of pokes fun at me all the time about, you know, all my, all my, all my other girlfriends who are all my fishing buddies, you know? Um, but it's like, we got people to talk to on the phone now, you know, it's like, you got buddies that there's, you've got this coming up to talk about or this to make plans about, or so it's, it's kind of long story short. It's just, it's a really good thing to do with your time to, to help, I don't know, just you as a person, you know, it's like, uh, it's, uh, it can seem kind of clicky and, and in a way it is kind of clicky, you know, uh, the, the whole kayak. Yeah, I mean, scene. there's always going to be groups of friends. I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter where you're at. I mean, people it's are going to travel. It's groups of friends. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's kind of like, like as a new guy on the national scene this year, uh, having just made it to, you know, a handful, you know, five, six, seven, eight, whatever nationals that I made it to it's like, it seems clicky, you know, and, it, and like, I get people that say that all the time. It's so clicky or these people are just all, oh, they're so clicky. And I'm just like, yeah, they're clicky. And then I was like, no, you know what? It's really not like every time I've met any of the, you know, the, the, the big names in kayak fishing, they've been the nicest people that I've ever met in my life. You know? Yeah. I mean, just because people it's are just friends they know or they had the, like a, people that they're like really close with. I mean, you know, that doesn't mean that they're not going to be nice to you or exactly. they're not going to be open to talk to you too. Um, you know, it's just bonds and friendships are formed over time. And a lot of those people have exactly. already spent a lot of time together. And yeah. so, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things that, like it naturally forms. And like I said, like everybody kind of came into this by themselves, you know, yeah. nobody, nobody came into this, like with a bunch of friends, yeah, you know, prior yeah. to it, yeah, everybody trickled in in onesies and twosies. Yeah. It's like, uh, Gary Mogan's Alice and I became friends via fishing tournaments, you know, and just yeah. about everybody else. I mean, Eric Siddiqui fishing tournament, mm -hmm. it just, you know, that's how I've met so many of these people is by showing up and, you know, just talking to people and meeting people at the captain's meetings or at the weigh-ins yeah. or, or whatever it is, you know, I mean, you, they say that, you know, success, so much of it is just showing up and continuing to show up. Yeah. And if you continue to show up, I mean, you, 
eventually you'll be successful in the tournaments if that doesn't yeah. happen right away. But I mean, you're also going to find success in other ways, you know, through friends and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things you just have to keep showing up and, and keep doing it and good things happen. Yeah. Well, and I, I think a lot of people are so used to the, the, the instant friend world, you know, the instant group or the instant whatever we've got it from social media it's like oh we're buddies we're friends i've got five thousand friends you know and and it's like it was so easy yeah exactly and it's so easy to build that you kind of forget the the actual time and effort that it takes to build you know like a homie that you're in the army with you know or like you know somebody that you worked with for 10 years or somebody that you know like people that you know like if something's wrong this thing starts ringing you know, like buddies, you know, like that, not, not Facebook people like, and, and it's kind of that same environment. And, and I find that the more I get out there and the more of these tournaments that I go to, the more people that I meet, the more people that I talk to, the more people that go, okay, this guy's really trying, you know, it's not about, you know, hold, holding the trophy over your head every time you go out. It's literally about just being there and being a good person and just doing your best and showing up and putting in the work. That's um, what it is for me. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's it's uh, success for uh, for fishing. Same thing. Show up, get on the water, put the lure where it needs to go. Ninety percent of your work's done. It's just getting there and getting on the water and showing up to fish. The rest of it, that's just fine tuning the ten percent. It's the same thing as getting out on the trail, meeting people, uh, getting to know folks. And it's just uh, thank you, Brian. One of my favorite people that I've met fishing, BDH. The uh, but it's, uh, but yeah, it, it really is. It's, it's, it's kind of just getting out and drawing ourselves out of our shell and, and, it, and it's a really great world full of great people. So, um, I've noticed that, you know, like, like helping to run a trail this year, I've noticed that when the new people come, they all show up on the edges of the ramp and they're all kind of at the edges of the way in. And, and I try so hard to like, kind of go, nah, come on, get in here, joke with us, whatever, you know, it's like, welcome. It's, it's like, this is, this is your new crazy family, you know? And it's, a. Uh, and we all love to fish and we all love to bounce ideas off each other or talk about what works and what doesn't work or what rod is the best new rod for this or that or whatever. And it's this, uh, endless, endless conversation, um, about fishing, you know, so that doesn't suck, man. But, uh, um, dude, I, and I, I gotta say, you're one of my favorite people that I've met in, in fishing, you know, th- this whole year that I've been out there kind of chugging at it. Um, and like truly inspirational way, like I'm like, you get out there, you do it, you work, you, you were doing the same thing that I did, you know, like, I mean, you're sitting there, you know, running a cutting board all day and flipping pans and, you know, uh, doing the thing, you know, and it's kind of like you made that same transition and you adjusted your life and you got out there and you're making it happen. Um, so it's like when we finally got to sit down and talk and go, oh man, all right. Yeah, this is cool. Like I get it. You know, it's, it's kind of like. Um, you know, Bryce is kind of the same way at Dobbins, you know, kind of get around and start talking about the food world. You know, it's like, uh, oh, speaking of, there was a question about that. Uh, JD did it back here. I was going to, I was going to circle around to it. Let me go find it. What is your favorite fish recipe? Uh, fish and recipe? Typically, typically something black and like red, black and red fish, some sort of fish that's firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, blackened and then, uh, like a mojo verde, some sort of like, fresh green, you know, sauce to go with it, you know, something simple like that. And then, you know, fish pairs well with, you know, any sort of rice or Mm -hmm. vegetable or anything like that. So there's something simple like that typically does it for me. 
Nah, that's super good. Like, like, like for, for saltwater ish kind of like, I'm the same, like that kind of firm white, uh, flaky, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, yellow tile or, uh, um, a redfish or snapper is like uh i think last year i did a dish that was uh uh it was like a it was like a pound and a half snapper hole um and i did you know a bed of arugula that was just kind of lightly wilted and then like kind of blackened and blistered a bunch of these little organic local farm tomatoes um so it was like this the, the acidity from the tomatoes you know and like some blackened uh stuff the 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 fish with like blackened onions and thyme and like God, I don't even remember what else was in there. Good though. That's like, uh, what, what do you, what, what about freshwater? What, what kind of freshwater fish do you dig? Uh, the best freshwater fish is like a walleye or something like that. The fish yeah, that we don't really like, get yeah. in Texas that often. Um, but I yeah, lived, the, the Northern lived, fish are definitely. Yeah, I lived in Utah for long enough. I lived in Utah for like, I don't know, it was like 15 years or something. That's where I was firefighter at. And, uh, when I got out of the military and man, like being one of my firefighter buddies who's paramedic at my station, like he and I used to go out and we'd catch uh, uh walleye and we'd catch wipers, which is like a white bass yeah. uh, and, and striper like hybrid. Uh, and then that was so good for uh, uh, like ceviche, like just like, Oh, I love, I love stripers for ceviche. Uh, but walleye is just, yeah, that's one of those that people don't get here because we just don't get it. And there's, I would imagine there's a way to order it or find it or whatever the way the supply chain is now. But there's just people don't know what they're missing down here. But walleye is a fantastic one. That's like, a, I remember that was huge during Lent was like walleye like, sandwich sandwiches, you know, like. <laughs> anytime we travel up north, um, I've always got a fillet knife with me because if we catch walleye, we're, we're bringing them home. Yeah. Yeah, walleye's good. Pike's good. Like, um, uh, yellow perch. Yeah, perch are just like, yeah, like just fried perch. Like, uh, I mean, every, every time I see, you know, Russ Snyder's on video, like at a practice sesh, like just cleaning up a whole mess of, of just, just brim and just pan fish and whatever and just going at it in a campsite somewhere. That's just, that makes me happy. And, I, and that, that's probably my favorite of all time is just, you know, you know, just perch, brim. Um, that reminds me of, of my, of my papa, of my grandpa, you know, like just, that's what we do. Just pan frying up a ton, a ton of crappie or ton of perch. And it's just awesome. The, uh, um, well, man, we're, we're getting down to it. Any, 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 who do you, who all do you want to thank for, for the, the, the career that is your career thus far? Well, I mean, I guess like the most important people, I mean, the reason I'm here, uh, obviously, you know, Mom and dad, you know, I mean, uh, they definitely let me fish a lot when I was a kid, you mm -hmm. know, and um, the whole time I was a chef, you never got an opportunity to do that, really. I mean, very limited free time to actually fish, but um, the love for fishing and the free time to fish a lot when I was a kid definitely came a lot, you know, just from them and just giving me the opportunities to fish a lot. Uh, whether it be, you know, saltwater or freshwater, you know, I, I've got a lot of, you know, time on the water as a kid. That's really where like I learned or, you know, just developed a love for fishing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that love is kind of like, you know, later in life kind of been restarted back up with kayak fishing. So, you know, definitely, they're definitely instrumental for that. Um, you know, just giving me the opportunity and getting me involved in the outdoors. Um, so, uh, and then, also, uh, my grandparents, you know, they'd probably never see this, but 
they definitely had a lot to do with it too, just the same way. I mean, you know, I, I had family that, that took me fishing and uh, from an early age, you know, I, I got to, to spend a lot of time on the water. And I mean, when I was a little kid, I was, you know, just gung ho for it, you know, and it's all I did with my free time when I wasn't involved in sports and stuff like that was fish. So, um, you know, definitely my family has been instrumental uh, from the very beginning. You know, I've got pictures of me holding a seven pound bass and I'm like three or four years old. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it, it goes way back with me. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely most important people for me is definitely a family. Yeah. Those are like those memories. Like I, I can still remember, you know, being dog leashed to my mamma's like folding chair with, you know, clipped to the back of a life jacket and me with a cane pole catching bass off there off their dock and, you know, Lake Kiowa, you know, by Louisville kind of, you know, and, uh, yeah. um, it, and like you said, the, 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 uh, the, the tank, you know, fish, fish in the uncle's tank and, uh, you know, pulling your first, you know, seven pounder, eight pounder out of there on, I don't even remember what it was, some little top water spook or something like that, but just that, that like, I want to go dig through those pictures. Cause those are like kind of, like my, my whole childhood kind of came unhinged at the teenage years. So, but I can still remember there being some pictures around of that somewhere. And I'm going to have to see if I can dig those up. But, uh, uh, how about, uh, professionally, like, like now any sponsors, uh, Oh yeah. I mean, like I, I guess I'm affiliated with six companies now. Mm -hmm. Um, NRS, um, Mariner cells, Dakota lithium, Hobie fishing, uh, excite baits, and god there's some one other one there somewhere i always forget one of them but uh yeah um they're probably gonna be mad at me but that's all right but yeah i mean it, it's nice to have companies that can kind of help you out you know whether whether it's financially or with product you know anything you can help with you know definitely helps so it really um, does Oh, Dobbins, Dobbins rods. Dobbins. Yeah. That was the last one. <laughs> Duh. We sat here and talked about Dobbins. Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah. I'll say that like, they can't be mad. We, we give them enough. They, they, they get enough plugs. Yeah. I think this is the first time that I've ever not had my Dobbins koozie. And that's because I'm drinking fat boy beers right now because COVID belly hasn't been going away. So, uh, but yeah, man, the, uh, so next up is NC. Yeah, NC most likely. NC, I might fish the throwdown, but yeah, just the timing of it and the NC this year. Uh, the NC's just more valuable; it's worth more money. So yeah, there's a lot I'll of probably money. put more attention and more focus on that yeah. than the throwdown. And it's sad to say because I've won the throwdown before, but yeah, you, know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, totally. Well, and and th those are choices that you make. I mean, there's uh, I mean, I've I've uh, I've left a tournament knowing that it wasn't going to be productive enough for me to win another, you know, like a bracket tournament or whatever that I was in. And it's like, sometimes you just got to bail on one to make for another that, you know, you can go make some money on. That's what it's all about. You got to put money in your pocket. You got to put money in your sponsor's pockets. Um, that's the goal. That's what you got to do to, to keep this stuff going. Uh, Derek, my man, Derek Miller, see you in Shreveport. Yes. Mm -hmm. The, uh, well, I'll be in Jefferson, but, uh, I'll see you in Shreveport though. The, uh, but yeah, man, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Like, I really appreciate it. It's, uh, like I said, you're one of those dudes that's been super influential and, uh, and, and, and inspirational for me to get to know and kind of hang out with 
Um, and yeah, look forward to seeing you here in a couple of weeks. Well, thank you for having me on, man. Um, yeah, you've been, you know, a wonderful pleasure to meet and, you know, become friends with as well. And, uh, yeah, yeah uh, looking forward to seeing you out there at Shreveport and catching some bass and, you know, hopefully winning a little bit of money here in a couple of months or yeah. a couple of weeks, not months, a couple of weeks. We going to get it. All right, brother. Well, we'll talk to you soon. The, uh, um, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Matthew Scotch and, uh, folks, we will see you next week. Um, I think we've got a couple more shows coming up before the, uh, uh, for the NC. So, uh, before the practice for the NC. So I'm not sure, not sure if I'm going to be able to do the show the week of, but we'll keep after it. So going to keep chasing it down. You guys keep learning, stay hungry, stay fishing, man, stay positive. Um, if there's anything we do for you guys, just let me know. And uh, we'll see you guys out on the road.